Amen. Good morning. Well, a couple things before we get started. I would uh, like for you, and I know a lot of you know this, uh, today's 9-11. We had a a serious thing happen to our country on that day uh, some years ago. And uh, if you would, just continue to remember the families that were affected. Uh, continue to remember the uh, people that strive to keep this country safe. Uh, and pray for our country. Pray that we will want to be a country that uh, is pleasing to the Lord. Uh, we put it in the bulletin. A country that has the Lord, number one, in Uh, Their thoughts and in their minds and in their character is a country that is blessed. Amen? Uh, And not only that, but something else happened on uh, 9-11 and Sammy Parker was born. So, happy birthday, Sammy Parker. Um, Football season is here, isn't it? Week two of college and pro is starting this week and... uh, You know, it's a great time. I like football. I enjoy it. I uh, watch it. I played it. And one of the most exciting things about football uh, for the fans and for the players is when they come on the field. You know, think about it for a minute. I remember when I was in high school, they'd have the cheerleaders would put up the the sheet, the paper, and they'd put go commandos or whatever, and we'd rip through the paper Everybody would fall down and, you know, you'd stumble over, but you'd come out and, and the crowd would cheer. Uh, I remember when I played college, we'd come out to some smoke and uh, come out and the fans would be cheering for us. It was, you know, a, a great thing to uh, come out to. It, it really would uh, make you excited. Uh, you know, I'm a Sooner. I'm an Oklahoma Sooners fan, but I will have to admit this. I went last year to the Oklahoma UT game, and when the volunteers ran out in that T, uh, it's loud, it's exciting, there's a lot of emotion, and, and really I had never been a part of anything like that. Uh, I hate to say that, but it's true. Um, it, it, was, it was a good feeling, you know, uh, and, and we enjoy that. The players enjoy it. You know, the players enjoy uh, going on the field and getting ready to show what they got, what they prepared for. It's game time, you know. Uh, they're ready to go out and show not only uh, the people there that they're going to win the game, but that they're striving to win the championship, right? Well, I hope that's the goal of every team going out is to win the championship. Um, and while that's fun, you know, while that's uh, good to talk about and while that's uh, uh, enjoyable to us, uh, this morning I want to talk about another entry. I want to talk about another coming onto the field, so to speak. This coming on the field came with shouts like this. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. If you would, turn with me to the gospel according to Mark. Mark chapter 11, and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 11. 
this quarter in our Bible classes, we're going to be looking at the final week of Jesus. You know, really, when you think about that, and you think about this triumphal entry, what we come to need to realize, if I'm using this football analogy running alongside with this, it's game time for Jesus. It's game time. I'd like to talk for just a little bit about this triumphal entry. Wayne Jackson, uh, a faithful brother in Christ, he wrote this about the triumphal entry. And I really have just enjoyed, uh, I keep reading this because I can't really write like this. So it, it really sounds good when it comes out. Uh, and I've just uh, been encouraged by it. He says, there is an incident in the concluding days of Christ's earthly ministry that is likely to be passed over with but little attention if the Bible reader is not careful. And yet it is brimming with treasure, ready to be mined if the student is diligent enough to appreciate the task. I wish I could write like that. You know, I wish I could have cool insights and cool ways to describe things. But really think about that. This morning, I hope for just a few minutes, we will be diligent in our studies to the Word of God. And we will appreciate the task that is at hand, and that is understanding God's will and applying it to our lives. Isn't that beautiful? <clears throat> this entrance, you know, it was really one of triumph. The people there didn't really... Uh, understand it maybe as we do from 2020 we talked about in class they thought of it more of a uh, earthly a physical uh, thing that was going to happen Jesus was coming into Jerusalem to set up this kingdom to overthrow Rome and all of these things were going to happen because the king had come but it wasn't like that it was more than that it wasn't a physical entrance it was a spiritual entrance for a king who still is on the throne. Amen? And before we get into this, I want to uh, just use a couple verses to get us into the mind of where we're going. Look at uh, Mark 10 just a little bit before, verses 41 through 45. 41 through 45. James and John had just asked Jesus, they were like... Uh, we want you to do whatever we ask you. And Jesus is like, well, what do you want me to do? And they said, uh, we want to sit at your right and your left hand. They were worried about themselves. And Jesus, the other ten hear this conversation going on and they, they're sad about it, really, and a little bit upset. And Jesus pulls them together and he says in verse 41, And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called to uh, called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles, Lord over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life a ransom for many. Jesus Christ came 
not to be served, but to serve all. So when he comes in on this triumphal entry, guess who he's thinking about? He's thinking about us. His focus is us. Its focus is on mankind being brought right to God. Put in a right place. Jesus says the Son of Man didn't come to serve, but to serve others. Isn't that comforting? Isn't that a comforting feeling to know that our Jesus, the one we love, loves us? Now here's a quick question. Do others see love from us? Do others see comfort in our actions towards them? Good, through good and bad, are we thinking of others more than ourselves? Do we show it? You know, I love seeing Jesus in the scriptures because you see how he acts, you see what he says, and then if you're honest, you look at your own self and you say, am I even close to that? Am I even remotely in the ballpark of acting like Jesus? In this thought, is others placed above me? Just something to think about. Let's look at Mark 11, verses 1 through 6. Let's get into the lesson. Now when they drew near, now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethpay, the and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which one no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, What are you doing, loosening the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded, so they let them go. All four gospel accounts record this uh, story. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I'll be uh, using some verses Uh, this morning uh, to kind of help with the lesson. But think about this. Jesus, he draws near to Jerusalem. He's on the Mount Olives. And he gets two of his disciples to go into this village and get this colt. Matthew's account tells us that it wasn't just a colt. It was a donkey and, uh, and her colt. So it was a mama and the baby. And Jesus says... When you go get this and you unloosen it and you take it, if anybody asks you, then you tell them that the Lord has need of it. And then they'll send it with you immediately. So they go do it, and guess what? It happens just like he said. Just like he said. What can we learn from this triumphal entry? We hadn't even started it really yet. Right at the beginning, we can see that this man who's fixing to ride on this colt was truthful. Jesus is the truth. When Jesus tells us something, you think it's a lie? 
When Jesus tells us something, do you think it's to deceive us or to trick us? He told the disciples, not even in a big deal. He just told them what they needed to do, and they went into the city, and guess what? It was done exactly like he said, to the very last detail. You know, John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Why is this triumphal entry uh, something to be excited about? Why is this triumphal entry something that we can be uh, uh, cheering for and be glad about that happened? Because we know that the one riding on that colt is the truth. No matter where he was, no matter what he did, no matter what he said, Jesus was always truthful. He never told the disciples to do one thing and then uh, do another. He never was uh, uh, telling them something that would hurt them, like I said. He wouldn't ever tell them a lie. He wouldn't ever try to trick them. He always spoke the truth. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except what? Through me. When we as Christians, as I talked about last Sunday night, uh, we're really, and, we're, and, we, and I hope that we are, and I encourage you to come tonight because we're going to continue talking about becoming like Jesus. But when we're really trying to know who Jesus is in all of the characteristics of Him, and we're trying to be like Him in those certain ways, then what we do is we come to the understanding that when Jesus tells us something, it's the fact. It's a fact. It's reality. It's the truth. That's something to be excited about. That's something that I can be comforted in because when I read something and he tells me something, I know it ain't a lie. Brethren, I love y'all very much. And I hope that I don't ever lie to you, but guess what? It is a possibility that I might. I hate to say that, and I'm ashamed to say that. I may tell you I'm going to go do something, and guess what? I may not do it. And if I don't, I'm sorry right now. I apologize right now. Because guess what? I am not the truth. But Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ is the truth. That's something to be excited about. John 8, 31 and 32, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, hey, if you guys believe in me, then guess what? Abide in my word. Then you are my disciple indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. The truth will make you free. And I love how this lesson plays out. We had not even got into it yet. And here we already are finding out these little gems in God's Word. You know, when we study Jesus, you better be real careful when you study Him or you'll miss over stuff. 
every single detail of Jesus Christ and His life and what He did and what He said is something that we can use and apply. How comforting it is to know that Jesus, the one riding on this donkey, riding on this colt, this foal, is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is talking to Pilate, and we'll get here in a couple of weeks before his crucifixion in John 18, 37. And he says, Pilate therefore said to him, uh, You are a king then? Then Jesus answered, You say rightly that I'm a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. That's encouraging, brethren. If you're a Christian here and you are following God's word, guess what? You're hearing his voice. The truth. What a joy and what peace we have that Jesus came to this world. Amen? to allow us to be a part of the truth, to allow us to be a part of the body of Christ, to allow us to be a part of the church of Christ. Through His life, through His words, Jesus has given us the opportunity for salvation, to understand the truth. Brethren, I was blinded by the truth. I didn't understand it at one time. I didn't know what it meant. But when I saw it, it set me free. That's something to be encouraged about. We believe what he says is the truth. And this entrance into Jerusalem shows us that what he said in Matthew 17 also is the truth. Matthew 5, 17, Jesus says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law and the prophets... I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. I came to fulfill it. So here comes the second point. Not only is Jesus the truth, but Jesus is the Messiah. The one that was predicted. The one that was supposed to come. Here he is. Look at verses 7 and 11. I'm going to read it all the way through. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and, and threw their clothes on it. And he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road. And others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and to the temple. So when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The disciples go and get the colt, just as he said. They put their clothes on it and Jesus sits on it. And what we have to remember is when he does this, he fulfills Scripture. Matthew 21, 4 and 5 says, All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, 
saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. You ever been to a famous basketball, football, baseball game? You ever been somewhere and something happened and then later on you hear about it and you say, Oh, I was there when that happened. You know what I'm talking about? I got a coffee mug back there in the back. It's a Giants coffee mug. I don't like the Giants, but the reason why I like this cup is because this cup was at Candlestick Park when the earthquake hit at the World Series. It's a big deal. Like, I feel real cool to have that thing. Listen to this in John's account. Uh, in John chapter 12, uh, talking about this uh, uh, triumphal entry. John 12, 16. His, his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified... Then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. They remembered it. They didn't understand what was going on right there first. They were so involved in it. Put yourself in their shoes. They're just doing what Jesus tells them to do, right? But then when they sit back and they think about it, it's like, wow, wait a minute. We was really involved in that. Could you imagine being Jesus' disciple? Then, right then? That'd be amazing to me. I am his disciple now, but boy, it'd be really, really cool to be walking with Jesus, right? Right then, right then. And fulfilling prophecy. The things that I was doing that I didn't really understand at that time, I was fulfilling prophecy in the Bible. Two in particular. Isaiah 62, 11 Zechariah 9, 9. You can look those up later. Uh, Matthew 21 uh, kind of uh, blends them together a little bit. 21 verses 4 and 5, what I just read. So why is this entry into Jerusalem so special? Why is this something to be excited about? Again, they thought it was an earthly king coming in to set up shop. But brethren, we are the spiritual Israel now. We are the children of God. Zion's Messiah. The one they have been waiting on is coming into the city. Their king is making himself known. As we look at this story unfold, what Jesus is doing on that cult is proving that there's no other person that is going to do, be able to do what he's about to do. Take the sins of humanity. This is, ex I'm telling you, brethren, we're talking about the king. We're talking about a real king that loves us. A king that takes humanity's sin and he takes it to a cross and he dies for us. Remember, he wasn't thinking about anybody else. You know, these football teams, they go out and they, they like this crowd and they say, oh, we do it for the fans. But you really think they do it for the fans? I didn't. I love the fans cheering for me and boy, I wanted them to cheer for me, right? I wanted them to be excited about me and what I was doing. 
Jesus says, cheer for me because guess what? I'm cheering for you. <laughs> I love you. I really am doing it for the fans. What a thing to be excited about. What a thing to go share with people. This Jesus, this man who wouldn't tell you a lie. This Jesus who is the Messiah, the King, the Christ. Which brings me to my last point. Why was this entrance so exciting? Why was this entrance such a big deal? Because Jesus is the Savior. He's the one who has come in the name of the Lord. Look at verses 8 and 10 one more time. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went out before those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna. That word Hosanna means to save. Oh, save us, I pray. It's an exclamation of adoration. It's deep love. It's fondness. It's devotion. It's respect. Think about that, brethren. Let's apply it to our lives. Do we in our heart have that same devotion to the King? To the Savior? That we cry out in our hearts that we're thankful that He saved us. And without Him we're nothing? Is the way we come in here and worship the Lord have anything to do with the fact that without Jesus we'd be dead in our sins? I thought about that and I thought, you know what, that brings a new reality to the way I should come in here and worship. I should come in here and worship with the understanding that without Him, I don't make it. Jesus, the name above all names, Beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us, blessed Redeemer, living Word. When this entrance happens, we are a week away from Jesus dying. And you know, I got to thinking about it. It, it made me think about it at the very beginning. You know, when, when the angel comes to Joseph in Matthew one twenty one, he says... And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you do for me. Jesus is not telling these people to stop worshiping and praising him, to stop throwing down these palm branches and their clothes before him. Why is that? Because He's worthy to be praised. He said, if you won't cry out, guess what? If I tell these people to stop, the Pharisees wanted them to rebuke His disciples and tell them to stop. And He says, even if I tell them to stop, the stones will cry out. Because I'm worthy to be praised. 
Acts 4.12 tells us, And there's salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. The seed of David has come to Jerusalem. What an encouraging thing. Uh, I know when he wrote this, he had to be uh, excited a little bit. John, in 1 John 4.14, he says, I have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. I saw it. I saw it, y'all. Believe what I'm telling you. I saw it. Why was this a triumphal entry as I close? Because we see Jesus declaring, not only is He the truth, He just did it. He just was the truth. It's how He acted. It's just though His demeanor was the truth. There was nothing fake about this man. And He was the Messiah, but He is the Savior of the world. That's something to be excited about. As we leave this morning, I've prayed that we will not forget to be excited about the fact that Jesus is like no other. Jesus thought doing the Father's will was the most important thing He could do. Do we? Jesus tells us in Matthew 7, 21, He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody who says that's going to enter. Only those that do the will of my Father in heaven. The only way we make heaven our home is to do the Father's will. The only way to be saved is through obedience to the gospel. Through Jesus, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Maybe you're here today and you need to obey the gospel. Maybe you're here today and you need to repent. Maybe today you aren't excited about Jesus. Maybe you're just going through the motions. Maybe you want to put Jesus back where he needs to be, on top, number one, and be excited about him and be ready to go tell somebody about our Savior. But maybe you are here today and you don't know about Jesus. Let me tell you about him. He came to this earth for you. He came to this earth to save you. He came to this earth because He loved you. You will never be loved by a person more than Jesus Christ. And He said, He who believes in me, believes what I did, believes that you need to repent and turn from your sins, who will be willing to confess in front of anybody that, that you believe in me and you believe that I'm the Son of God and is baptized in water for the remission of your sins, you'll be saved. If you need to be saved, if you need to repent, Whatever you got to do, whatever you need to do, do it right now. Don't wait. Jesus Christ is coming back, and he's coming back for his children. Don't you want to be one? Come right now. It's together we stand and sing.